You're listening to Love is the Answer, a podcast that explores the power of love in real life with your hosts, Lynn Kidd and Laurel Elstrom. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Love is the Answer. I'm Laurel Elstrom. Our guest this week is Elliot Robertson, and we'll be exploring his idea of coming home to who you are. And I'm Lynn Kidd, and Love is the Answer is sponsored in part by Take Heart Publications, who publishes A Course of Love and Choose Only Love. And you can visit A Course of Love at acourseoflove.org. That's www.acourseoflove.org. And you can download the first 24 chapters of A Course of Love for free. All right, let's bring in our guest, Elliot Robertson, who's joining us from Philadelphia. Elliot is a writer and a poet, and his book, Say Yes to Life, was recently published. His poems have appeared in the Daily Word. We're excited to have him. Welcome, Elliot. Thank you so much for including me in your series. It's just a pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you so much, Elliot, for being here. It's really an honor to have you join us. And so we would like to begin with the first question that we ask all of our guests. What does love mean to you? For me, it's really just the same as the resonance that flows throughout the entire cosmos. It's the field that is the source of all things. I also like to just sort of show the relationship between the human and love when I think about what love means to me. I like to use the metaphor of a sun, and then it has billions of rays of sunlight flowing from it. And the sunlight can't be anything except for the essence of the sun. That would just be impossible for the sunlight to be something other than the love that the sun is or the light that the sun is. I just like to think of the human as something that gets its nature from the great love that resounds through the universe. So I'm going to divert a little bit here, but when I hear you say that, that humans get our nature from the sun, which is the love of the universe, a question naturally arises. The things humans are doing right now don't look very sun-like. What would be your response to that? I don't, you know, there's love some places, but some places there seems to be an absence of it. How would you respond to that? Yeah, as human beings, we do fall into the trap of believing things that are not truly true. We sort of fall into the trap of looking around us and seeing the dream or the illusion, then believing that that's all there is. Uh, Yeah, so So just because you, if you think the illusion is real, it doesn't make it real, does it? Not from the highest point of view. All right, thank you for that, thanks. I understand um, that the idea of coming home to who you are is one of your favorite subjects. Can you talk a little bit more about that idea and what you mean by coming home to who you are? We so easily can get lost in all sorts of things. We can just totally forget that we really are rays of sun, sunlight from the sun. We can just forget our organic true nature. I like to think of the prodigal son as an example, as a story that really does highlight this dynamic between this relationship between the human and the divine. In the prodigal son, the parable that Jesus told in the Bible, this 
son goes off from his home, from his father and his brother, and just uh, goes to some distant land. He's sort of going with this attitude of, I don't really depend on God's realm. I don't really depend on the father. And I can just go out there and do whatever I think might be a lot of fun. And he ends up having a lot of riotous living, and then he ends up going into scarcity consciousness and just being in poverty with the pigs. And eventually he does wake up, he comes to his senses. And at that moment, the first thing he does is, he, what he's doing is he's sensing his heart's longing to be back with the realm of God. And that's something that we all come into the earth with our hearts longing. It's just there when we're born, our hearts longing to return to God. He ends up waking up and tapping into that heart's longing to be back in the realm of God. And as soon as he taps into that longing, he honors it by making an intention. Before he makes the journey from the pigsty back to the realm of God, he makes an intention to do so in the parable by just making that intention that's so aligned with his heart's longing. He's taking that first step in that direction. Then from there, he follows through on the intention and goes to the realm of God. And he has two moments of humility. The first moment is he lowers himself, he kneels before the Father, and he humbly says, please make me your servant. And that's a, a moment when he is really proving to himself, proving to the universe that uh, his relationship with God's realm is central at this moment. And then the other moment of humility is when he receives the ring and the robe from the Father. The Father says, you are my son, you're first and foremost, you are worthy of receiving a ring and a robe and being celebrated. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Elliot. I love the parable of the prodigal son. And for me, it's that whole metaphor of the hero's journey, where we all take this journey seemingly outwardly. It's an outward journey, and we take the circuitous routes outwardly, seeking for things outside of ourselves. But like you said, we had an actual discussion about that yesterday in our ACOL Zoom group about the longing. There's that longing. It's like a homing beacon, and it's always within us. It's a, it's a deep memory of the heart that we've never left our father. We never lost our inheritance. To me, the grace in that is to receive our own innocence. That's so beautiful. I appreciate that. And yes, the longing is there all the time. The thing that happens, though, is that we do get distracted by the illusion, by thinking that we can exist without a dependent relationship on God's realm. Yeah, thank you so much. Laurel, did you have anything extra to add to that? I was just struck with the whole idea that sunshine can't stop being the sun no matter how hard it tries. And that longing is just it's a longing for self-recognition. Mm-hmm. It's a longing that we actually recognize ourselves as who we are and live as that instead of pretending to be this separate entity. You can't possibly, it's not possible for a ray of sunshine to not be sun. It's an impossibility. So it's just kind of like when the jig is up. Elliot, you've recently published a book, Say Yes to Life. Can you share a little bit about the book and its central message for our listeners out there? And by sure. the way, and by the way, Elliot's book, Say Yes to Life, can be found on Amazon, uh, hardback, paperback, and Kindle. Sure, I'm happy to say a few words about Say Yes to Life. I'm hoping that it will be something that gives people a chance to celebrate who they are, 
to fall in love with themselves. I'm really hoping that it encourages people to bring their attention to their true nature, to celebrate their uniqueness, not only their human uniqueness. In my case, my human uniqueness might be, you know, my gift for writing, that might be my unique gift, but I also help it will help people bring their attention to their unique heart print, their unique soul print. There's over 7 billion people on the planet. And what's so beautiful is, on the one hand, we really are very much having the same things in common. We very much have that longing to be loved and to love, that longing for returning home. And then on the other hand, we also have a unique fingerprint, a unique soul print, a unique heart print. So there are over 7 billion different variations on that nobility and that inner beauty, just like each blade of grass is unique. It's just so wonderful to bring our attention to our own unique way of being who we are and being in relationship to the love and to God. You know, we can also notice that there are over 7 billion religions or spiritualities on the planet because we can each relate to God in our own way. So that's some of the stuff that I'm really hoping people will get out of the book. In addition to that, you know, I'm hoping that the book will be an experience of taking the time, maybe even starting a habit of taking the time to bring our attention to God. The book might be a forum or, or a container for starting a practice of bringing one's attention to God. Because when we spend time bringing our attention to divinity, that's like fertilizing the relationship, fertilizing the garden. You know, I just like to use Julian of Norwich as a role model because I've read her, her work and she's constantly talking about God's goodness. It's just so evident when you read Julian of Norwich. She is just so grateful for God's goodness, so focused on God's goodness, on the benevolence of the cosmos, on the support that is always available, on the invitation that is always coming from God's mouth for us to receive love. She was really totally saturated in that. And I just find that so exciting. And so she was basically saying to all of us, she was admonishing all of us to take a glance at the shadow. That wasn't the word she used. That's a more modern word. But to take a glance at it, to acknowledge that the shadow was there, and also to dwell in the positive and in the glory, to really make that our dwelling place. Beautiful. Yeah, thank you. I had a follow-up question. In, in your book, Say Yes to Life, you have the seven keys to living full out from within. So I was wondering if you could share maybe one of the seven keys that's really speaking to you right now. And I actually have one myself. And I, love, I just want to say I love the fifth key that's really speaking to me right now. Say yes to freedom of the past. And I love, I love your paragraph that says, when your trust in God is not based upon the timeline of your life, but upon God's benevolent nature as a moment-to-moment -moment reality, the way is open for you to engage in the life realm beyond the timelines. And I just love that, Elliot. I just wanted to share that from your book because it really touched my heart. 
Thank you so much. And what you were just quoting from the book, it occurs to me, is exactly what I was saying about Julian of Norwich. That's how she lived her life. She was really above the timeline because that was such a big focus for her. I already did talk about the uniqueness, which is one of the keys, okay. celebrating our uniqueness, saying yes to our uniqueness. So I feel like I've already sort of answered that question by focusing on that so much already. Thanks, Elliot. So I like when you're talking about holding the essence of others and the essence of our own heart. It brings me around to identity again. So if we are not who we think we are, if we're not a separate person who's in control of everything and trying to do our best, what would you say is the biggest mistake that people who are establishing their identities make? Well, I think we need an all-day workshop for that one. So instead of um, answering completely, I'm just going to choose one of many different answers, and, and then I'll keep it short. One of the mistakes that people make is just not including our glory in our self-portrait. I know that for years when I was in my youth, I was living in New York City. I would walk around the city. I would notice people at outdoor cafes that I couldn't afford. I would, the jealousy would just show up immediately. I would be very bitter. I'd be arguing with God about how unfair it was. And I was just never noticing the divinity within me. It just wasn't part of my self portrait at all. And, you know, I wonder if that might be something that we sort of inherit from our ancestors, this tendency to not really include our glory and our majesty and our inner beauty in our self-portrait, to just not really acknowledge it. And I say that because when we look back in the world, Meister Eckhart, for example, was kicked out of the church. So he was just constantly excoriated and criticized by the establishment because he was encouraging people to acknowledge God within them. And he's just one example of many. So we have centuries before us, and maybe it's in our cells and DNA. I don't really know how it worked. I was raised in Unity Church. So all these years, I have had this inner concept and given lip service to, yes, I'm made in God's image. And so I've always thought that that's what I believe. But maybe on a deeper level, that hasn't really been the place where I come from all the time. Certainly when I was bitter, yes, I had that concept of me being made in God's image, but I wasn't living from it. It just wasn't informing me. It wasn't in my bones. In light of that, if I ask you, since your subject is coming home to who you are, I'm just going to ask you, who are you? I'm the ray of sunshine that <laughs> comes from the sun. And also, on another level, as a human being, the answer to that question is, I don't know who I am because I'm always discovering more. There is so much spiritual growth and personal development going on with me these days. Right? I love that idea. <laughs> Today I represent that, but since I don't know, and I'm always discovering and always exploring, this next minute it might be something else. I love that part too. It's never closed. It's never mm. answered. It's only discovered in every moment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Being open to revelation. Being willing yeah. to accept the lens of the heart's eyes instead of looking through the lens that we are habituated to look through, the lens of judgment. Mm -hmm. 
Right. There's a line from The Little Prince. I, I remember when I read it a long time ago. It's the one line that jumps out and everybody quotes it. Only with the heart does one see rightly. What is essential is invisible to the eye. And that also reminds me of the course of love. It says we're no longer looking outward. We're looking in within and that we begin to see with the eyes of the heart. When I read that in the course of love, I immediately thought of the little prince. So <laughs> we're all connected here. I just love that. Yeah. yeah. And in, in my Zoom group, we're talking about content, mm-hmm. not form. Yeah. So yeah. It's the same thing. Like you look for the content, there's no form involved, but mm-hmm. look for the content in each other. Yeah. The Beautiful. essence. So I believe Laurel has something for us. Yes, this is this week's question. I feel like I can only succeed through self-discipline. When I stick to practices that keep me on track, I'm most productive and healthiest. But sometimes it feels like there's too much striving. How is love the answer to showing up in the world as my best, most authentic self? Well, I don't know if I'm going to be answering that final punchline to your question, but I will point this out, that striving can get you in trouble. When you're thinking of an image of how you think you should be or how life should be, you're just idealizing the way you should be, and should is always a red flag. It always means you're off course. A tulip would never think, oh, I should move my tulips and unfold in this way. And we need to be more like the tulip. We need to learn from the tulip in that respect. Beautiful. Thank you, Elliot. Yeah, I was going to say for myself, how is love the answer showing up in the world as my best self or my most authentic self? Yeah, I also agree that striving is, it leads you in the opposite direction. Because for me, showing up as love in the world is about living from the inside out. I have to get in touch with my own essence, the truth of who I am. I have one more quote that I love that I think of often, and it's from a Benedictine nun, and her name is Macriner Whitaker. And I love what she says, and this speaks back to the prodigal son and the innocence of who we are and not judging ourselves. Who would I be in this moment if I were not judging myself? And she says, dear God, please show me the truth about myself, no matter how beautiful it may be. That just like lights up my whole being. And because I'm not in judgment of myself. And when I'm not in judgment of myself, I'm not in judgment of anyone else. That's my take on it. So Laurel, did you have something you'd like to share? Of course. This issue is, is it actually pretty complex when you dig into it. I've been um, absorbing what you and Elliot said, and I uh, agree with it and recognize that if I approach what we think of as self-discipline from a place of establishing an ideal of who I should be or what I should be doing or how I should change myself, then that seems to be really not helpful especially if the ideal that I'm holding up is an ideal that's been presented to be my, by my culture or by my conditioning. However, when I look at people in my own family who, who actually thrive on some kind of, I guess it's setting an intention to develop in a certain way, and I look at that and I see how it's helped them develop, then I see, well, maybe this has some other layers to it. 
when I think of writing a book, as I've done as well, if I didn't have the, you can call it discipline, to sit down and work on it regularly, the book would never happen. Mm -hmm. So the discipline actually, maybe we need another word for it. Maybe it's more intention. I had an intention of putting my energy in this direction. And I'm willing to devote my time and my focus toward that intention. Now, if at any time that intention is gone and it doesn't come from someplace authentic in me, then I'm going to move on to where there is an authentic drive. Mm -hmm. So I think it all boils down to the whole idea of getting to know our own. Elliot, when you talked about the, how we're individual rays, so we're all the same in content, but we're different in expression. And when I really finally tune my reception of the expression that I am, then I can respond to that in a way that, well, exciting and creative things can happen. It's another one of those both and things, I Mm -hmm. think, that we run into so often. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you, Laurel, for bringing up that perspective, too. Yeah, I can see what you're saying, too. I feel like for myself, it's similar. I think the most important thing for me is following the heart and getting in touch with your heart and going with the guidance. And then sometimes that does imply a little bit of structure or, you know, a routine or organization to get something done. Mm -hmm. I totally get that but then not beating yourself up. Yeah. There are no rules even about not having rules. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. No rules about not having rules. That's a great way to put it. Okay. I, love, I love what both of you said and answer that question. And the prayer is going to live with me forever, Lynn, because the prayer is basically saying that when we judge ourselves, we are looking through a distorted lens. Yes. And when we don't judge ourselves, we're seeing the truth about ourselves. Yes. Thank you. I love that prayer too. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for today. So thanks so much for joining us, Elliot. And for all our listeners out there, be sure to join us next time. Our guest will be Angela Ram, and we'll be talking about finding the courage to love. All right. We'd love to feature your question as our question of the week. So please submit your question by emailing us at loveisalwaystheanswer at gmail.com. That's loveisalwaystheanswer at gmail.com. We'd love to feature your question on our show. Thanks for joining us, everyone, today on Love is the Answer.